morning. Take out your Bibles, your mobile devices this morning. Turn to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. It's on page 16 if you might be using one of the Bibles you picked up when you uh, came in this morning. You guys having a good morning so far? Whew, I got to catch my breath a little bit. <laughs> um, we are continuing our series. That we're kind of finishing it up uh, this month. In the book of Genesis, we've called this beginning stories in Genesis, and we've looked at some of the key stories in this incredible Old Testament book, the first book of our Bible. And today we're going to begin the story of Joseph, probably one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. And that will finish out our series in the month of September, and then the beginning of October, as you just heard, will be our friend day, and we'll start a new four-week series called Why. Uh, Joseph is what I would call a VIP. He's a very important person in the Bible. He's a key figure. We, one of the reasons we know this is because in the book of Genesis, Joseph gets 13 of the last chapters of, of your Bible. Uh, I mean, creation got like a, a chapter and a half, and Joseph gets 13 chapters, lets you know how important he is. But how many of you guys saw the History Channel, the Bible series that was on the History Channel? Didn't it bum you out they completely skipped Joseph? We're like going along, we're like, what? You, met, you skipped Joseph of all people. So we're going to catch up and fill in the blanks of what, what they didn't do. And we're going to follow Joseph on this journey he goes in his life with God. And we're going to watch him as he goes on this journey from a dream to a desert to a destiny. And it's so important, his story, because we can insert all of our lives into Joseph's story. You're going to identify with things in his life and his story that have happened or are happening in your life. Very practical story. And what we see as we jump into Genesis chapter 37 is, Gen is Joseph is given this God-sized dream. We know it's a God-sized dream because it's bigger than himself. It is something that he can't accomplish on his own. But between Joseph's dream and God's ultimate destiny for him, there's a big desert. There's a long desert. Have you ever lived in the long desert? Say yes. So from his dream to his destiny, there's this long desert. And as we think about Joseph's dream that he gets from God, God's dream for his life, I want you to think about the dreams that you have. Think about what, what do you dream about? You know, and I'm not talking about at night when you sleep necessarily, but what, what kind of dreams has God given you? Maybe a dream for your career, your family, your marriage, or maybe, you know, your first marriage didn't work out and you're dreaming about a second marriage and doing things differently. Maybe it's something you're dreaming for for your kids, their future, your future. And if you were to look back in your life, the last 10 years, would you say that your capacity to dream has gotten bigger or has it gotten smaller over the last 10 years? I mean, if you just won the lottery, your capacity to dream is probably really big, right? And I'd like to talk to you afterward, by the way, as well, if you have. <laughs> but if you've tried to step into God's dream for your life, and you've tried to follow it and live it out, and you've been blocked, or you've experienced failures, or if you've been discouraged or dismayed, then your capacity to dream, maybe instead of it getting bigger the last 10 years, maybe it's shrunk down and it's gotten smaller. And I want to suggest to you that we, we know that we have a, an enemy, Satan. And he likes to take God's dream for our life and, and, and steal it. But here's how he steals it. He doesn't just want to take it away. I believe what he wants to do is he wants to take God's dream, what God wants to do with our life, and it's not that he wants to completely remove it and take it away, but he wants to shrink it down to where instead of it being God-sized, it becomes man-sized. Something that we can do, something that we can accomplish instead of something that is supernaturally accomplished by God. If that makes sense, say yes. 
And maybe that's what he's done with some of your dreams. It's not that it's completely gone, but it's shrunk down to a man size. Have your dreams gotten bigger because they're God size, something only God can do, or are they just more manageable? So you go, I think I can accomplish that. And, and I want you to understand, if you're dreaming a God-sized dream, and it's God-sized, you better expect some opposition to your dream. And if, it's, if, you're, if you're trying to follow a dream and you're not experiencing any opposition, then I would say that it's probably not a God-sized dream. It's probably a man-sized dream. And we're going to see Joseph have a God-sized dream. And he, he starts out, if you know the story of Joseph, he, he starts out kind of like this spoiled teenager from Cherry Creek. And then, Sorry if you're from Cherry Creek. And, but, but he straightens out real quick. And, and he gets this God-sized dream for his life. And Joseph's going to be this amazing example of what a Christian life should be like as we follow our dreams. But sometimes we're in the desert until we get to our ultimate destiny. So you guys ready for this? This is one of the best stories in the Bible. So let's jump into it in Genesis chapter 37. Now, we're going to approach this a little bit differently than we normally do. Normally, I'm kind of like point one. I read a few verses and give you some stuff. I'm going to read you the story here in chapter 37 and make some comments. And then we're going to save the practical application for the very end. Because this story is so good, I don't want to just chop it up. So Genesis chapter 37 says, now Jacob. Now Jacob was the father of Joseph. The, you remember we started with Abraham, and then he had a son, Isaac. Then Isaac had a son, his name is Jacob. Jacob dwelt in the land where his father, which was Isaac, was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And this is the history of Jacob. Joseph, which is his son, being 17 years old. How old is he, church? He's 17. I have a son that is 17, about to be 18 in about two weeks. He's 17 years old. He's the 11th of 12 boys. So he's next to the last youngest boy. There was 13 kids in all. I and mean, this is kind of like the Old Testament Duggars here. And he's got these 13 kids. And the lad, Joseph, was with the sons of, his fa of, of Bil Bilah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of some of his brothers to his father. Now, and we see right off the bat that he's a godly teenager and his brothers are messing around. And so he's going to go tattletale. He's going to tell on them. He's like, they're doing something they shouldn't do. How many of y'all had a sibling? You know, like, uh, Johnny's flicking boogers and eating ice cream, you know, and they're always telling on you. Well, that's kind of how Joseph starts off here. But then verse 3, it says, now Israel, now Israel is also who? Jacob. So anytime you see Jacob, it's Israel. God changed his name to Israel. This is where the nation of Israel comes from and the name. And so when you see Israel, just think of Jacob. Now Jacob loved Joseph more than all his children, all 13 of them, because he was the son of his old age. He was also the son of his favorite wife, Rachel. And also he made a tunic of many colors. Tunic is a coat. And this is what Joseph is famous for, his coat of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they what, church? They hated him, and they could not speak peaceably to him. This is like everybody loves Joseph. Before everybody loves Raymond, one of my favorite TV shows of all time. This is like everybody loves Joseph. He's the favorite son. I mean, this is really, church, the sin of favoritism. This wasn't a good idea for Jacob to do this, too. I mean, you know, it's one thing to have a favorite. It's another thing to, like, let everybody else know it. You know, it's not a good idea, you know, if you say to one of your children, hey, sweetie pie, would you go get idiot a pop? That's not a good thing. That's not going to go over well with the siblings. And, and it's bad enough that Jacob has this favoritism toward his favorite son, Joseph, but he's going to make a public display of it, and he gives Joseph this big old fat coat, not F-A-T-P-H-A-T. -T. I mean, it's this coat of many colors, and, and this coat would have spoke to authority and leadership and, 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 and favoritism. I mean, jo Jacob should have just given Joseph a T-shirt that said, my daddy loves me more than you. 
That's what this coach screamed to all his other brothers. And you know, we've seen different depictions of this coat of many colors. How many of y'all, when you grew up in Sunday school, you know, they always give you a little coloring sheet and the, the favorite one, you get to color the different colors on the coat. And, and we always kind of celebrated that like, oh, Joseph was so loved. Yeah, he was also favored. It was favoritism by his dad. And, and, and I always, always kind of wondered, what is that coat of many colors? What, what did that look like? And I think I've got a great modern day example. I'm pretty sure this is what Joseph's coat of many colors probably looks like today. Right there it is. <laughs> yes. That is Joseph's coat of many colors if I ever saw one. Little Snoop Dogg right there. So from now on, when you read Joseph's story, you think coat of many colors, just think of Snoop Dogg. Got his coat of many colors. And he's his favored son. Let's pick it up in verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream, and this dream was from God. I want you to say this with me, church. God has a dream for me. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, God has a dream for you. Now, how many of y'all really believe that? That God has a dream. Barry talked last week about God has a plan for our life. God has a will and God has a plan. And God has a dream. God has a destiny. He knows the beginning from the end. And, and Joseph is about to get in on this dream that God has for his life. Now Joseph had a dream. And he told it to his brothers. And they hated him even more. Here's why. So he said to them, let me tell you about my dream, brothers. Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There, were binding there we were binding sheaves in the field, these stalks of wheat. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around my sheaf and bowed down to my sheaf. Not a good idea to tell all your older brothers that dream. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Now, we know, those of us that know the end of the story, which we'll see in a couple of weeks, this is true. This is going to come to fulfillment. This wasn't something Joseph was just making up. But it still probably wasn't a good idea to share, share this with the brothers. And the brothers said to him, shall, we in, shall you indeed rule over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his words. He probably should have kept this dream to himself, even though it was a God-sized dream. I mean, his brothers can't stand this. I mean, how many of you had a sibling that maybe it seemed like God was blessing them more than you, and you just couldn't stand them for that? Don't raise your hand, especially if they're here. But maybe you even have a sibling now, and you look at them and go, why does God seem to always be blessing them and not me? That's what's going on here. And they're jealous of it. Verse 9, then he dreamed still another dream. One wasn't enough. God gives him another one. And he told it to his brothers. Thought he think he would have learned the first time. And he said, look, I've dreamed another dream. And this time, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. You know who this is a picture of? His mom and his dad and his 11 brothers. And so it says, so he told it not only to his brothers, but to his father and his brothers and his father, even though he favored him, he rebuked him and said to him, Joseph, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him. They hated him. They were jealous of him. They despised him. But his father kept the matter in mind. He was trying to figure out what does this mean? And you know what? Jealousy and envy always leads to trouble, doesn't it? That's why the Bible says don't let a root of bitterness take place in your heart. When you get jealous, when you get envious of other people, how God has blessed them or what's happened to them and not to you, it always leads to trouble and it's going to lead to big time trouble in this story. Verse 12, then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. They were all shepherds. Now Shechem was about 50 miles from where they were. Now notice the brothers are going out to work. 
Where's Joseph? Is he working? No, he's hanging out with daddy. Verse 13, and Israel, Jacob said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, here I am. Then he said to him, his dad says to Joseph, please go to see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. So Jacob is like, Joseph, your brothers are out working in the field about 50 miles away. Take your clipboard, go check on them, and give me a performance review on your brothers. The ones that already hate you, that are already jealous of you, and already envious of you, put on your fat coat and go out there and check on them. Not! This is, this is not setting up well. And it doesn't go well. Verse 15. Now a certain man found him, and there he was wandering in the field. Joseph's wandering around looking for his brothers. And the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? So he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, They have departed from here. And I heard them say, Hey, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found him in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, his brothers are working in the field. Joseph's heading to Dothan, and they see him afar off. Well, how do you think they were able to see him afar off? They didn't have binoculars. They saw the big, fat, colored coat. And they're like, here he comes. And even before he came near them, they conspired against him to what, church? To kill him. Can you imagine this? Eleven brothers see their brother Joseph coming, and they're like, let's kill him. You talk about a dysfunctional family. I mean, this is one right here. I mean, this is Cain and Abel all over again, where Cain killed Abel. But here's the difference. In Cain and Abel, it was one verse one. In this story, it's 11 on one. And they're going to take out their brother Joseph and kill him because they can't stand him. Then they said to one another, verse 19, look, this dreamer is coming. You could just hear it in their voice. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we're going to say that some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered or wanted to deliver him out of their hands. He had a little bit of a heart, and he said, let's not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do, do not lay a hand on him. And the Bible gives us the backstory of Reuben's heart. He says, because that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to the father. So Reuben's kind of like, I got plan B. Let's not kill him. Let's just scare him a little bit. Let's make him squeal. I mean, older brothers love to make their younger siblings squeal. I mean, don't they? How many of y'all had an older brother? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, an older brother, they're so mischievous and evil. They'll, they'll hide in a closet for hours for that momentary chance to just scream and scare their younger sibling and see them wet their pants. I mean, they'll, that's a good day for an older brother. It's like, you know, this is my to-do list today cause my sibling to wet their pants and oh yes I've accomplished that today that that's kind of what they're doing here they're gonna mess with them you know I, I was an older brother I had a sister it was just me and my sister and now I have an older son and a younger daughter and uh, you know the Bible is so true when it says you reap what you sow because I used to terrorize my sister and now I am reaping what I sowed in my children because we have one who likes to pick on the other and the other one loves to squeal. And, and, and you know, and, and it's coming back. I remember one time, I shouldn't tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway because it's funny. Uh, I, I grew up in Oklahoma and we did a lot of fishing in Oklahoma and we used to do a lot of catfish fishing. How many of y'all ever fished for catfish? How many of y'all ever smelled catfish bait? It is horrible. And one night my sister was, I think, having a bunch of uh, friends over for a sleepover. And I took catfish bait and I put it in her pillow. And she, yeah. 
And now I'm ready. Don't get any ideas, Caleb and Caitlin. I think they're in here this morning. And yeah, she came out yelling and screaming. And, and, and that's kind of what's going on here. They're going to pick on Joseph. They're like, let's throw him in the pit. And then look what happens verse 23. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic. They took off his coat that they hated. The, the coat of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and they cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. It was a well without water. Ouch. That's going to hurt. And then they sat down to eat a meal. I mean, they're like, okay, now that Joseph's in the pit, anybody want a sandwich? I mean, these guys are ruthless. So much for this dream. I mean, we've gone from this grandiose dream where Joseph is in some kind of power and authority and all the family's bowing down to him to now he's in the pit. He's been thrown into this pit by, by his brothers. And in verse 25 says, Then they lifted their eyes and looked. There was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices and balm and myrrh on their way to carry them down to where? To Egypt. What's in Egypt? It's a desert. It's a big, huge desert. Let's, let's, let's do something with this. So Judas, Judas said to his brothers, you know, I got an idea. What profit is there if we kill our brother and we conceal his blood? I mean, we get nothing out of that other than the satisfaction of getting rid of the brother we can't stand. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him, for he's our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Now, it seems like for a moment that they're trying to do what is in Joseph's best interest. But they're not looking out for Joseph. They're looking out for themselves. They're like, we don't get anything out of this if we just put him in the pit and leave him for dead. Let's sell him. You say, well, they got a conscience. No, they got a profit. They got money out of this deal. You see how evil this is. Verse 28 then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up out of the pit, lifted him out of the pit. They sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. He's betrayed by his brothers for 20 shekels of silver. Does that sound familiar? Jesus, it was 30, but the same thing was happening. And they took Joseph to Egypt, to the desert. Then Reuben returned to the pit, because he's hoping to get him out of there and take him back to the father. Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit, and he ripped and tore his clothes in anger in frustration, in grief. And he returned to his brothers and said, the lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? What am I going to do now? So they took Joseph's tunic, his coat. They killed a kid of the goats, a baby goat, and they dipped the tunic, the coat, in blood. What are the brothers trying to do now? They're trying to cover their tracks. They're trying to cover their sin and what they've done to their brother. Then they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, we found this, Dad. Do you know whether this is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and he said, it is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without a doubt, Joseph is torn into pieces. And he believes with all of his heart, Jacob the father, that Joseph is dead. He can't even bury him. I mean, it's bad enough that his son is dead, but he can't even honor him with a burial because he's been devoured, he thinks, by some wild animal. I mean, as a parent, have you ever thought your child was missing? You've been in a store, you turn around, they're not there. That feeling that comes over you for a few minutes, but yet for Jacob, it's not going to be a few minutes. It's going to be many years. Thinking that Joseph is dead, devoured, gone, body nowhere to be found. Verse 34 then Jacob tore his clothes. He put sackcloth on his waist. This is a, a sign of mourning. And mourned for his son many days. Can you imagine as a parent? 
how you would feel if your child was missing. You think they're dead. You have no idea where they're at. And all his sons, now this is sick. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him. They're comforting him, yet they know what has really happened. I mean, this is horrible. But he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. I'm going to take this to my death. I'm going to mourn over the death of my son Joseph. Thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to a man named Potiphar. He was an officer of Pharaoh who was the ruler of all of the land of Egypt. And this Potiphar was captain of the guard. This man Potiphar was one step away from the ruler of Egypt. And Joseph, believe it or not, even though he is now in the desert, he's one step closer to God's dream and destiny for his life. Now how do you think Joseph feels about God's dream about right now? He's been betrayed. He's been thrown in a pit. (laughs) He's been sold into slavery. He's now in the desert in a foreign land away from his family, friends, and everybody. He's a slave. You'd think he'd want to quit. You'd think he'd want to give up. You'd think he'd be bitter by now. And he would stop believing in this God-sized dream. Because this is the opposite of this dream that he had. And it appears that this dream for Joseph has turned from a dream into a nightmare. Except for one key thing. In the next two chapters, it says several times, and the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. And listen, church, when the Lord is with us, it makes all the difference. And it changes everything. And Joseph never stopped believing. You're going to see the perseverance of Joseph throughout this story in the next few weeks. He never stopped believing in the God-sized dream and destiny, even though he found himself in a long desert. Now, there are three things that we learn from Joseph's journey that can help us on our journey in life when we're trying to follow God's dream for our life and we find ourselves in a long desert. Three things we learn from Joseph's journey. Let me give you these in your notes. Don't stop believing in God's dream for your life, even if your journey didn't start off so well. This journey did not start off so well for Joseph, did it? It started off horrible. But, he, but Joseph did not allow these circumstances of his journey to deter him and stop him from believing in God's dream and destiny for his life. He is not going to allow his past to define him. Listen, church, here is the problem with so many people that I talk to and I counsel with. They've had something happen in their past with their parents, with their siblings, with their so-called friends, with a, a co-worker, with the boss, with their health, whatever. And they look back at the past and they allow their past to define them instead of God's future for their life. If you don't hear anything else this morning, church, hear this. We are not defined by our past. We are defined by our potential in Jesus Christ. That's what we're defined by. Do not let your past define you. We live in a society that we're masters at making excuses. Well, I'm this way because of my past, and certainly our past has an influence on us, and our past will make us bitter or better. Joseph's going to allow his past and the way his journey started out to make him better, not bitter. We have an enemy The accuser of the brethren, the Bible says, the devil. 
And he loves to whisper in our ear after we've had this God-sized dream and all of a sudden we find ourselves in a long desert. You know who you are. You know what you've done. You know what your past is. God can't fulfill some destiny and God-sized dream for your life. You should just quit. You should just give up. You should just stop believing. But we need to do what Paul did. You want to talk about somebody who had a pretty bad past, the Apostle Paul? He was a killer of Christians. He killed Christians. And here's what Paul said when God gave him a dream on the road to Damascus for his life, that he was going to go from a Christian killer to someone who led hundreds and thousands of people to Christ and started churches and wrote more than half of our New Testament. Paul said this in Philippians 3.13. Some of you know this. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Not achieved what? God's dream and destiny for my life, this journey I'm on. But here's what I do. I focus on this one thing. Get this, church. I forget the past and I look forward to what lies ahead. I keep my eyes on the destiny. I keep my eyes on the God-sized dream. I don't let my past define me. I look to the future and what God has. We can learn from that, church. Don't stop believing in God's dream for your life, even if your journey didn't start off so well. Number two, don't stop believing in God's dream for your life, even if your journey is full of surprises. And I got some news for you. It will be full of surprises. How many of you would say, I've had many surprises on my journey in life? Amen? Yes? You see, the destiny and the dream that God has for us is never from point A to B in a straight line. There are ups and there are downs. There are zigs and there are zags when you're in the desert. I want to challenge you guys because this story, we may even have to go back some other time and just do the story of Joseph. I mean, this could be like an eight-week series easily because of all the stuff, and we're going to try to do it in about three, four weeks. I want to challenge you to read chapter 37 to 45 this week. Just kind of read the whole story so you get, get all the blanks filled in. But there are 11 key events that happen in this story on Joseph's journey. 11 surprises, if you will, that happen in Joseph's life on his way to fulfill his God-given dream and destiny. We've seen a couple of them today. Number one, he's, he's misunderstood by his family. They hear this dream and they think he's just being prideful and egotistical. They don't see it as a God-sized dream. They see it as something Joseph just dreamed up. Then he's sold into slavery. Right here, he's thrown into a pit. Then we're going to see now he's living in a strange country in Egypt, in the desert, far from home and everyone. And then they start to look up a little bit. It seems like there's a, there's a little glimmer of hope because he's given favor, as we're going to see this next week. He gets into Potiphar's house and he's given favor by Potiphar. He realizes this is a very smart young man. This is a bright young man. This is a, this is a trustworthy young man. This is a man that has God's hand on his life and he, and he makes him in charge of his house and things are starting to look up for Joseph and maybe the dream is coming to reality. And then what happens next? He's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife who tries to seduce him. We'll look at that story next week. You don't want to miss it. And then what happens next? Things are starting to go down. He's thrown into prison because he's falsely accused. But then things start to look up again because he's put in charge of all the prisoners because they also recognize how bright this young man is and the hand of God is on him. But then there's a guy called a cupbearer of Pharaoh that gets thrown into prison. He talks to him and he's like, oh, you can tell the Pharaoh how I've been mistreated and get me out of here. I did a favor for you. Do a favor for me. And things are starting to look up. And guess what happens? The cupbearer goes back to Pharaoh and he forgets all about Joseph and he remains in prison for two more years, falsely accused for something. And then he finally gets to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And then he becomes second in command of all of Egypt. And I don't want to give it all away, but his destiny 
for himself, for his family, and for God's ultimate plan all comes to fruition. And you're going to have to wait and see how it all works out for those of you that don't know the story. Joseph experienced many surprises on his journey, but he never gave up. He never quits. He never stopped believing in the dream. Are y'all seeing a theme here? Don't stop believing in God's dream on your journey. Maybe the great theologian's journey had it right. Don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. Don't stop believing in God's dream, even when things don't start off so well. Don't stop believing in God's dream for your life, even when it's full of surprises, and it will be. And number three, don't stop dreaming in God's dream for your life, even if your journey takes a long time to get to your destiny. Joseph gets his dream at 17. He, guess how old he is when his destiny becomes fulfilled? He's 40. 23 years. That's a long desert. Going from a dream to a desert to a destiny. If you want a story of perseverance, this is the story in the Bible of incredible patience and perseverance. Listen to the way God said it through the prophet Habakkuk in Habakkuk chapter 2 about visions and God-sized dreams and God's plan for our lives. He said this, but these things I plan, God says, won't happen right away. We don't, we're not going to probably put that on a refrigerator. We're not going to probably stitch, stitch that, cross-stitch that into a pillow. We don't like that. But that's how God works. These things that I plan, these dreams I have, this destiny, they don't happen right away. How do they happen, church? Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision, the dream that God has will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. I guarantee you, some of you right now are in the desert and you've been praying and you've been asking God for direction and for the dream to be fulfilled and destiny and it seems slow but don't despair if it seems slow don't despair for these things will surely come to pass just be what church patient oh god hate that that thing we're so good at just be patient god says they will not be overdue a single day not in God's timing, not in Joseph's life, and not in our life. So why does, I know people ask, you know, why does God take so long to fulfill his dreams and destiny for our life? Why does it take so long? Well, let me suggest this. Here's one reason why it takes a long time. Because God is more concerned with your character than your comfort. We like comfort. God likes character. And it's in the desert that character and integrity and faith is built. And we're going to certainly see that next week in Joseph's life. And God is preparing Joseph for his ultimate dream and destiny he has for him. And he's building his character. And he's doing the same thing in many of our lives. We need to make sure when you're in the desert in those trying times of life on the way to God's dream that you focus more on what is happening in you than to you. So many times we pray and we say, God, get me out of this. Just get me out of this. Instead of praying, God, teach me through this. Teach me. What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? How are you trying to build my faith, my character, my integrity so that I'm prepared and I'm ready? Joseph wasn't ready at 17 
for this destiny God had for him. God's preparing him and he's preparing us. Now, as we bring this to a close this morning, have these brothers sinned against Joseph? Yes. You guys are like afraid to answer. You think I'm gonna ask you trick questions. I'll help you. Have these brothers sinned against Joseph? Yes. Will God hold them accountable for this? Yes. Was, was, was any of this really Joseph's fault? No, no. Is, is this a bad situation, humanly speaking, for Joseph as we leave him sold into slavery in a desert? Yeah, it is. But will God use this to fulfill his dream in Joseph's life? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what we call this? You might want to write this down. I don't know if I put it in your notes. We call this the providence of God. This is the providence of God. If you want a story about the providence of God, it's right here with Joseph. Listen, church. Joseph had many give up or go on moments in his life. And so will you and I. Did you hear me, church? On his journey, he had many give up or go on moments in his life. He had a decision to make. Am I going to give up or am I going to go on? And what you'll see, and I, I gave you those 11 events in his story, that Joseph had twice as many give up opportunities as he had go on opportunities. But the question is, how did he respond? And how will you and I respond to the give up moments that find their way into our life? And the honest question is, okay, Pastor Doug, how do I go on when I want to give up? How do I go on? You follow the example of Joseph on his journey. And what is that example? He trusted in the providential hand of God. He believed and trusted in the dream and the providence of God. Let me explain it this way. It's like God has two hands. And in one hand, he has the hand of miracles. And the hand of miracles can do something in a moment. You don't have to wait for it. It just, God can do it. He speaks the word and it happens and it's seen. But in the other hand of God is the hand of providence. And it's unseen. It's behind the scenes. It happens through circumstances and people and situations. And it usually doesn't happen in a moment. It takes time. For Joseph, it took like 23 years. One is seen, one is unseen. One happens in a moment, one takes time. This is a story about the providential hand of God working behind the scenes through people and situations and circumstances for God's ultimate dream for Joseph's life and destiny to be fulfilled. And I want to say something I hope will, will be an encouragement but a wake-up call maybe to some of us and to all of us at times in our life. Do I believe that God can do miracles in a moment that are seen? Absolutely I do. But I find that many times I need to stop looking for the miracle and wait for the providential hand of God. Just wait for the providential hand of God. That he's gonna work it out. And it's not gonna be overdue one day in God's timing. You see, as a church, as a people of God, as Christians, as the family of God, we don't believe in chance. We don't believe in fate. We don't believe in coincidence. We don't believe in karma. We believe in the providential hand of God. Amen. I had a guy just the other day. He said, your karma is going to be good today. That's what he said to me. It's going to be good karma today. And I said, ah, I don't believe in karma. He's like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> like I believe in God. 
And if there's a verse in the Bible that speaks to this story, you know it. Romans 8, 28. And we know, not we hope, not we think. We say it, church, we know. Let's say it, church, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. That's what Joseph's story is about. Joseph's story is about Romans 8.28. Here's the difference. We know Romans 8.28. We have Romans 8.28. We quote Romans 8.28. We've had it memorized. Joseph didn't know that verse, but Joseph lived that verse. This is a story about all things working together for good to those who love God. That's why we're people of hope. We don't give up. We don't give in. We don't stop believing. We trust and believe in the providential hand of God. And you look at the life of Joseph as we look at it the next three weeks. He loves God. He serves God faithfully. He doesn't give up. He doesn't give in. He doesn't get bitter. He doesn't blame God. He believes in the providential hand of God. And he waits for the providential hand of God to fulfill his dream and destiny. And the question is, will we? Will we? Will you? Even though right now you might be in a long desert. One person said it this way, and I like this. With providence, it all makes sense. With providence, it all makes sense. It will in Joseph's life, and it will in ours as well. Would you bow your heads this morning? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment. Let's just let's wrap this up and reflect on what we've talked about and this credible story of Joseph. In Jeremiah 29, 11, one of my favorite verses, we, I quote it often, it says this. God says, and listen, I, I, want, I want to read this verse, and I know it's my voice you're hearing, but I want you to hear the Spirit of God speaking into all of your lives. Maybe you're here today and you say, I, I don't know if I believe God has a God-sized dream for my life. On the authority of God's word, I'm telling you, he does. Listen to God's word in Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God has a God-sized dream for every one of your lives if you'll just trust him and follow him on this journey. And don't stop believing, even if your journey didn't start so well. Even if it's full of surprises and even if it takes time, don't stop believing. Don't stop believing that God has a God-sized dream and destiny for your life. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm, I'm talking to all of the Christians, the believers right now that know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. How many of you would be here this morning and you'd say, I really do believe God has a dream for my life or I want to believe that and I want to follow that dream. And I want to wait on the providential hand of God. Would you slip up your hands all across the auditorium? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands are in every section. You can put them down. How many of you would be honest enough to say, I, I believe that, but I'm in a desert right now in my life. It's a desert time, and it's been full of surprises. And, and I pray that I would gain faith and strength from this story and from God to remain faithful, to keep believing and not stop believing. Even though right now I'm going through a desert time in my life. Would you slip up your hand? Can I pray for you? Yes, many deserts. Oh, in every section. Lord, I, I pray for all the believers that are here today, Lord, that, that believe you have a God-sized dream and plan for their life. And they're on that journey, but right now maybe they're in a desert time. That they would continue to believe in that dream that you have. Not their dream, your dream. That they would, like Joseph, they would persevere. They would 
watch and wait for the providential hand of God. That they would not quit. They would not give up. They would not stop believing. And that through Joseph's story, you would encourage them and give them faith and strength to wait on you for that dream and destiny to be fulfilled. Even though some people right now probably feel like they're in the pit. They feel like they've been betrayed. They feel like they're in the desert. Give them strength from this story, from your word, from your spirit. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You know what God's first dream for your life is? It's that he would know you and you would know him in a personal way. That's God's first dream for every one of our lives. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can have that dream fulfilled in your life today through a simple step of faith by inviting Jesus Christ into your heart and your life today. Some of you, you're you're trying to do it on your own. You're trying to figure out this journey called life on your own. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I'll just tell you, until you connect to God and His dream and His plan and purpose for your life, you're going to have all kinds of frustrations. And for some of you today, it's time for you to just step into God's dream for your life. By stepping into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Putting your faith and trust in Him. If you've never made that conscious decision, and you know if you have or not, I want to invite you to make that right now. You say, what do I got to do? You just have to call on the Lord. The Bible says whoever calls on the Lord in faith will be saved. And I want to pray a prayer of faith that you can pray from your heart to God's right now. And, and you can pray this prayer of faith. And if you mean it from your heart to God's, you can invite him into your life. And you can take that step of faith. And you can ask him to reveal his God-sized dream for your life today. And the prayer simply goes like this. And if you're ready to invite Jesus into your life today, just quietly in your seat from your heart to God's, would you pray this prayer with me and mean it? Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me. That you were buried and you rose again and you're alive today and you want a relationship with me and I want a relationship with you and today by faith I invite you into my life I ask you Jesus to be my personal Lord and my personal Savior forgive me of my sins that separate me from you come into my life today thank you Jesus for saving me thank you for forgiving my sins thank you for being my Lord and Savior. Would you, God, reveal your dream for my life today? With heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but listen, I want to celebrate with your decision. I want to pray for you. You just made the greatest decision you could ever make in your life, and I want to pray that you'd grow every day in that relationship with Jesus. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around but me for just a moment. If you prayed that prayer of faith for the very first time today, would you just slip up your hand just as a testimony? Yes, so I can pray for you. Thank you, thank you. Yes, ma'am, God bless you, thank you. Yes, young man, God bless you, thank you. Anyone else, just slip it up, put it down so I can see it. Because I want to remember you in prayer to pray for your journey that began today with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God bless you, young man, thank you. Several young people. Anyone else? Come on, yes, thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Lord, I pray for all those today putting their faith and trust in you. I pray that they would grow in their journey and relationship with you in the days ahead and that you would reveal your God-sized dream for their life that began today by them putting their trust in you. I pray that all of us would believe you have a God-sized dream for our life like Joseph, that you will take us from a dream, even though we have to go through a desert, but to an ultimate destiny, and that we would look to you for that. And Lord, that we would wait for you and be patient and thank you that you are real and alive and working in all of our lives. 
today as you did in Joseph's thousands of years ago. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we celebrate all the decisions made today?